0: This is Bike Talk, and I'm here with John from Ride to Recovery. John, what's your last name
1: again? My last name is Morlock, M-O-R-L-O-C-K.
0: And John is here with his family, and he came from North Hollywood. to Tell us about the Ride to Recovery.
1: Yes, the Ride to Recovery is an organization that gives uh, free bicycles to disabled veterans. They hold many events similar to the uh, AIDS lifecycle that many people are familiar with. I'm particularly participating in what they call the 9-11 American Challenge which starts on September 11th in New York City at the World Trade Center. It's 8 days, 530 miles and finishes at the Pentagon.
0: Okay, wow. So, it starts at the World Trade Center, ends at the Pentagon, 8 days. How many miles again? 530 miles. Okay. So, and it passes through New York and then where
1: uh it goes through New Jersey. Crosses a lot of uh, historic sites across the ride. We'll go across the Delaware River. We'll pass Gettysburg. There's going to be a stop at the, uh, where United 93 went down, where there's a memorial for that flight. And how did you get involved? Well, I've been active with bicycles for about three or four years now, and I am a Marine Corps veteran. I was looking for rides to do. I considered the AIDS ride as a challenge from San Francisco to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that looked pretty good. And then I found a ride that I could personally connect with that's for veterans. So then I decided to start riding with Ride to Recovery. This would be my third ride with them, but my first long ride because they also do one-day rides. Um, now, that's uh, an East Coast ride You're West Coast. Yeah, they're also going to be doing San Francisco to L.A. in October. But when I saw this one listed with all the sites and the timing of it starting on September 11th on the 10th anniversary, I knew this would be too inspirational to pass up. So how many people are expected on the ride? Uh, they have a uh, limit of 350, and it's already all booked up. Plus, uh, support staff.
0: Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna basically be carrying, just just you're not gonna carry anything. Then you're gonna have a support.
1: Correct. They'll have a support staff. They'll have trucks. We'll load up our backpacks, our equipment, and move it to the next hotel. It's uh, eight days long. Probably average about sixty five seventy miles a day will just vary on terrain and distance where they could make the reservations at
0: okay, so and you said you've've you've, this is the only kind of ride like this that you've that you've done before you've done this how
1: many times This will be my first week long ride, but I ride on a regular basis here in Los Angeles area. I ride up and down Griffith Park two three times a week, average forty fifty miles a day wow. and I've done a number of centuries. So, this will be my first multi day ride, but I try and do a century at least once a month. What kind of bike do you ride? I ride a Scatante, which is the store brand for performance bike, a carbon fiber road bike.
0: Cool. All right, so um, tell me about the cause and about your own history.
1: Okay, okay my own history is serving in the Marine Corps 82 to 88, got active in bicycling about four years ago. I actually let myself go up to 295 pounds. And I had a wake-up call I needed to get back into shape, and bicycling was a big part of that in addition to diet and other exercise. And the Ride Recovery helps disabled veterans. They actually give free bicycles to the guys that are especially coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan that have lost uh, limbs. They, they build the bikes themselves and make custom bicycles for those guys. They also work with guys that have post-traumatic stress disorder, and cycling is a large part of the rehabilitation. Hmm. Uh, I'm putting on a fundraiser tomorrow in uh, Inglewood. I'm calling it Car Wash and Tacos, where one of my clients is allowing me to use his property to put on a car wash. I also have another client that's a taco vendor that will be out there selling tacos. So we're trying to get everyone to come out, wash their cars, eat some tacos, ride your bikes down. We can uh, buy drinks from the taco vendor, or, of course, we can just refill your water bottles for you. We have restrooms available if you're doing a long ride. Hopefully I have a couple of clubs that are trying to Stop by and just eat tacos on their Sunday ride.
0: Wow. Okay. So you'd say you have clients. What's your business?
1: I'm a security contractor. Oh, okay.
0: What What does that entail?
1: A traditional security guard patrol service.
0: Um. Okay. Well, I take this phone call. Uh, so tell me. Tell me a little bit more about the ride, and maybe some feelings about you know that come up, and what kind of people do the ride.
1: Uh, all kinds of people do the ride. Or the disabled veterans get to ride for free, and the other people that are participating have to pay for the ride for a fundraiser. So there are obviously many veterans included on the ride, mainly fa- many uh, family members and people that just support the veterans.
0: Okay, and so it's it's mainly people who are sort of who understand what it's like to be in the military, veterans,
1: families. Many, many veterans, many family members, but also people that just want to support. The people that have gone overseas, whether, you know, wherever the purpose was, wherever the beliefs were, the, the young guys are over there serving their country, they're getting hurt, need to have more support than what's available, and we all need to chip in for whatever cause we believe in and help out. And this is a cause I believe in that I'm willing to go out and do the work and participate and support.
0: So you security contractor. Does, does your your um, expertise in that field start with being in the military?
1: That yeah, that's the way I grew up. My father was an FBI agent and Air Force officer, so I grew up in a very law enforcement, military environment, and that's where I ended up going into I was in the Marines as a youngster. I'm 46 now. I was a Marine when I was 18. I served from 82 to 88. And then after that, I primarily did security and also worked in uh, emergency medical services. I'm an EMT and paramedic. And um,
0: do, you, do you uh have any thoughts about... Uh the World Trade Center uh, coming down, um, like as a, I remember them saying that uh, the that there may have been charges planted by the security detail that came in before the before 9/11. I, I mean, I know that, that that's a conspiracy <laughs> theory, but have you ever have you ever heard that theory?
1: You know, I haven't, and conspiracy theories are fun to discuss, but I have no area of expertise on that, so I can comment on that. Okay, let's just leave that down. But, okay.
0: but um, the not only do they do the bike ride to raise money for veterans, but they also use bikes to rehabilitate people with correct injuries. They,
1: they do the rehabilitation. Uh, they've been promoted on uh, Extreme Home Makeover. If you go up on YouTube and look up Extreme Home Makeover, there was one episode where one of the uh, soldiers that was injured at the Fort Hood shooting, they went into his house and built a custom lab for him for his recovery what is it does that
0: involve like a a cycling yeah
1: they they made the bikes the road bikes for him to ride on the road they also made the spin cycles to use inside and and one of these you know i watched the episode but i wasn't involved in it but they put the big screen up where it looks like you're actually riding on the road and they made a whole recovery room for him to do his recovery
0: um are you involved with veterans in los angeles at the va at all do you ever go down there
1: no, I don't. Uh, right now, the Ride Recovery is the uh, organization I'm um, working with mm-hmm. and try and ride as much as I can with them. They also do one-day rides. Last month, they did a ride out in Agora. That was a one-day ride for the fundraising, and I participate in that one-day ride. Is this a year-round thing? Yeah, they, they have events all the time across the country. Actually, right now, they are in France doing a ride at uh, the Normandy Invasion, and they're going to finish up on one day with a tour de France. I'm not positive which day it is. But they're going to be one day at the Tour de France, and the HTC, HTC team is going to host them for an event. So they're doing stuff all the time? Correct. They're always doing stuff. In August, they're going to do a ride in the Great Lakes. September is the New York one I'm going to. October, they're going to be in San Francisco. I think November or December, they'll be in Florida. So they, they do re- events year-round. Do you know the story of how they came into being? A little bit. I know. I know the founder, John Warden, is a former professional bicycle racer, mm-hmm. and he has a military background also. And I know a lot of the pros after they retire get involved in causes. And this was a cause that he believed in and founded. Cool. And do you ever ride with people who have you know special bikes that, are, that they have injuries and they are allowed
0: to, they can ride using special bikes.
1: On a regular basis, no. But last year I did one day of the San Francisco to Los Angeles ride. You can sign up for the whole week or you can just do one, the one-day option. And that was the most inspirational ride I had been on because there were a couple guys in the front that were uh, double amputees from, the, from their legs. And they had the custom bikes where they're pedaling with their hands. And uh, Ride Recovery puts poles on, on the backs of the bikes so other riders will help them. And a rider will come up behind them and with one, with his right hand, lean over and help the cyclist get over the hill. And then sometimes we'll get a line of two or three guys behind them pushing the other cyclists to get them up over the hill. And hmm. with all the rides I've done, I've done rides like the River Ride, which is pretty much flat, 70 miles. But I've never seen four or five guys in line helping each other before. And that, that, that was a very moving to see that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and if it's not a hill, they can do it. On their own, right? Yeah, they'll usually do it on their own, but they'll also help each other out. I myself had slowed down once, and I'm used to riding, but I just slowed down to, to pop a couple of Endura light pills because I felt some cramps coming on. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, a guy came up behind me and gave me a shove, and it was just enough to, even though I was doing okay, just move me but right back up with the group. Huh. So, yeah, so you, you, how, do you, how do you like those, those long-distance rides? Oh, I, I enjoy them. I did the uh, Grand Fondo down San Diego in April, the 105 miles with 6,000 feet of climbing. I did the uh, Mount uh-huh. Baldy Toup ride recently. So I'm, I'm on my bike all the time. I like a good okay. challenge. So um, do you ever bike with your family here? I see you've got two daughters and a wife. Yeah, they, they ride a little bit, but just little around the park, they don't do big rides. Uh-huh. When they get a little bit bigger, they will.
0: Are you gonna? Can I talk to the girls? Sure. Are you? There's a mic right there. If anybody wants to grab it, no.
1: No, I think they're How getting about, a little
0: shy. <laughs> How about mom? Does
1: mom want us? No, they're all shy. Okay.
0: I was gonna ask if they want to um, ride long distance when they get older.
1: You want to ride long distance when you get older?
0: Yeah. <laughs> can you hold the mic up while they say yeah? Because that was pretty cute.
1: You guys want to ride long distance with me?
2: Yes.
1: You guys want to go on some ride recovery rides and help the disabled veterans? Yes.
0: Good. That was production value right there. Um, so let's see. What else can we talk about? So so when you're on a long ride, and have you done it without a support vehicle as well as with a support vehicle? I mean, do you have any tips for riding long distance? I'll,
1: I'll ride locally 40 to 50 miles. So that's not anywhere near doing a century. But I try and time or – Plan my rides around parks. That way I can stop and use the restroom. Handicap restrooms are best because you can bring your bike inside of them. And I uh, refill my water bottles at the water fountains. Mm-hmm. So if I do a long ride on my own, I plan it around being near parks. It's a lot easier to stop by a park than try and get into a McDonald's and refill your water bottles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And stock up with, I like uh, lights and any types of gels. And just fill up my uh, back pockets with everything I need to last. Do those, really, can, do those really work? They do for me, but, you know, everything's personal preference. Use whatever works for you. I had gotten bad cramps on a ride last year and looked around online, and that sounded good, and I haven't had any since then. could be just because I'm hydrating more and exercising more, or it could be because they work. might just be a placebo, but I pop them just in case.
0: So you're a big uh, bike rider, 40 miles three times a week?
1: Correct. That's about average I do.
0: What's your route around Griffith Park?
1: Uh, I live in North Hollywood, so I start out in that end. So it's 10 miles to get to Griffith Park. And then I come up around the uh, Travel Town side. And, you know, I don't know the names of the streets. I just know the way I go. Mm -hmm. But I know when I go up that hill in Travel Town, then you make a right, and there's a uh, paved road that's blocked off that's only for cyclists and hikers. And I will go from there all the way to the other side of the park. And I just stay mainly on those roads that are closed off to uh, vehicle traffic. And I can usually put in about 20 miles, 25 miles in the park, plus the 10 mile each way back and forth.
0: And what do you think of the park? Pretty cool? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. The, the park's pretty cool, and we're right here close to it. But actually, we're going next for – that's our next stop is to go over the park today. Oh, cool. Right,
0: but do you have bikes for everybody?
1: No, no. We're going to do some other stuff. No oh, okay. no bikes today. I won't probably won't be back on the bike until Monday. Okay,
0: okay. taking a rest.
1: Um, so w- let's say w- if you were to make one
0: more uh, pitch for for uh, Ride to Recovery so that people can keep it in their
1: heads and tell them what to do. Okay. Uh, please visit the Ride to Recovery website where you can find out all about them. They have a number of videos on there, newscasts that they've been on, the uh, extreme home makeover clip that they were on. And, of course, my uh, car wash and taco razor tomorrow. We're going to start washing cars about 9 a.m. at 316 West Florence Avenue in Inglewood. That's between La Brea and La Cienega. It will be listed on Facebook, and you can find it through the Bike Talk. And the taco truck will be coming out about 10.30 to set up to be selling tacos by 11 o'clock. So please come on out, wash your car or ride your bike and eat some tacos. And all the money goes to a good cause. I'm doing the September 11th ride, and if I can actually ride, raise enough money, I'll also do the October San Francisco to Los Angeles ride. So come on out and help out our veterans. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot, John. Thanks all right. For coming. Thank you, Nick.
2: Hello, your blues away Oh, get all your troubles away. Singing a song as you roll along, just pedaling your blue away. You'll find lots of happiness as you speed along. Cool. I'm talking to Patrick
3: Miller. Hi. What do you do? I'm just, uh, just another person living in LA. I'm a, I'm a cyclist, but I'm also an artist, a photographer, a DJ. DJing a house party tonight at the legendary Alago House in Silver Lake, if you know where that is. And you belong there. Yeah. So, um, and uh, yeah, but I'm not you know, necessarily affiliated with any organization. Um, I'm just someone who started riding a bike about four or five years ago in L.A., or riding a bike again, because I think everyone rides a bike when they're a kid, but, um, and, and, I don't know, just trying to just do my little part to, to hopefully you know make it better for everyone else. Yeah so that,
0: that's I think how a lot of people who ride tend to think about it they tend to think about it not just in terms of what they're doing for themselves but for the greater good. would
3: you say? Yeah, well there's this uh, there's in, this inherent contradiction when you ride a bike in LA which is in one hand it's it's one of the most joyous interesting exciting engaging beautiful things it feels so good and it's so fun and it feels so liberating and then just when you're totally delusional about all those things somebody comes and tries to run you off the road or passes you with like a foot of space or starts yelling at you or something um because uh so many people are clueless about the the law in regard to bikes it's it's just really crazy contradiction, um, which I think really, you know, accounts for a lot of the the activism that we see around cycling in L.A. How often do you, would
0: you say that you have some kind of a conflict like that on the road?
3: You know, it just depends, Um, you know, sometimes it's weird, it just depends on the day and the time, but, you know, driving during rush hour, it's probably like at least one, one jackwad for every five or six miles. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just depends. You know, I mean, it, they're not really—I wouldn't say confrontations, but you know, with someone passing you close or being like somewhat, you know, just like a little bit aggressive with the body language of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in general, it's not. You know, sometimes you you ride all day and it's it's perfect. So, what's uh, your what, what kind of rides do you like to do? do you like to do group rides you know it it just depends um, I, I, I love I try to at least once or twice a month get, you know get out and, and, and ride with a, with a big group of strangers um, something like Critical Mass or Midnight Riders but um, I mean every every ride is fun I mean it's great to you know just go by yourself and, and uh, pick up groceries or something but you know if, To just get out with, like, two, three, or five, ten people definitely makes a big difference. Like, riding around with a small group, like, makes it a lot more fun.
2: And so you're involved
0: in KPFK
3: now? Uh, No, well, um, I have a friend, uh, Sarah Harris, who um, produces a show called Here in the City, which is on Tuesdays at 3.30 to 4, right after Al Jazeera. And, um, she has a, she has a show where she, you know, just covers different things that are happening in the city and she really likes to to have a lot of recording that's done out in the streets. And also, you know, she wants to talk to people, um, instead of like working primarily with journalists, she likes to get a lot of stakeholders, um, people that are, you know, in their respective communities to kind of report back and, you know, sort of give more of an inside scoop about what's going on. And she's doing a segment called
0: Two Wheels and a Microphone?
3: Correct. So, um, yeah, uh, last week um, we we did a piece about um, just the whole organizing that's happening around the, the crash in Culver City and the response to it. Um, uh, I don't know if you know, but there was a, a joint statement that was, that was drafted by um, a bunch of different uh, bike groups and everybody kind of got on the same page with certain things that we were all like you know pretty pretty adamant about that um, the the coverage from the press was was sort of um, inadequate and they repeated a lot of just ridiculous rumors by the, the LAPD officers that were on the scene and and just in general, the LAPD's initial investigation tried to blame the victims of this crash. And um, a lot of people just found it offensive and, you know, w- didn't want to let that stand. And so worked with the group to craft a, a joint statement. And, um, you know, I was kind of actually almost there more as a, a, as a fly on the wall. Um, so I talked to a few people and got some interviews. And then that joint statement um, turned around and was turned into um, a petition that people were were signing at, at critical mass. And then just this last Thursday, the uh, the joint statement was um, released and uh, at, at a press conference that um, we, we held pretty we cobbled together pretty quickly and held at, um, at City Hall. And this was a big cross section of all different groups. Bike side, LACDC, Midnight Riders, um, and a lot of like other, you know, blogs and just different different people like Joe Litton from Cyclo was there, um, Ross Hirsch, Dude on a Bike spoke, and we had Cat from um, Bike Talks, the uh, the video podcast, and she was there and she read um, statements by two of the victims which were quite moving.
0: I tried to get the You guys said it
3: would be until 2, so I came in at 1.30. But, uh,
2: nobody oh, no. But, um, but that's a okay,
3: good time. Good time. <laughs> Various places downtown. not tell So, I, uh, so um, just getting back to the radio show real quick, so, um, you know, with time and, and some other constraints, um, a lot of the great material got left on the cutting room floor. So a lot of the interviews that I got last week at um, Critical Math and, and some some interviews that I, that I had gotten at the, at the meeting um, where the joint statement was crafted are, are going to be used um, this week, which is really exciting. So, so they're revisiting the, uh, the story we did last week.
0: And does the two wheels and a microphone come on regularly?
3: Is there a regular? No. Uh, this uh was sort of the, the pilot run uh, last Tuesday, um, which, if you want to check it out, um, you can find it the same place that you find uh, the Bike Talk uh, archive, which is on the uh, KPFK's radio archive um, under Here in the City. Uh, it's the most recent show. And um, um, about a half or a third of the show is um, uh, dedicated to um, talking about this uh, film Uh, about uh, railroads, called RR, the structure with 16 millimeter film, very interesting, and uh, the other half of the program is is dedicated to uh, two two wheels and a microphone, uh, sort of the the pilot of this thing about uh, bicycles, and just talking about bikes in LA in general, but really about also the sort of activity and activism taking place in the wake of the, the crash in Culver City. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Well, um, sounds great. And uh,
2: yeah. that's what Bike Talk is trying to do,
0: too. So we're, Yeah, uh, we're you guys have done uh,
3: coverage so far about that thing. Yeah.
0: Um, and how, how is everybody who was in, who was in the hospital? Is Roger? Still well,
2: there? you know
3: what? Honestly, I don't... Um, if you could get a hold of active, um, he's he's really been working closely with the victims. I almost everybody is out of the hospital. Um, I think you know I don't know about Roger's status, but um, Dora was actually um, brought to the um, press conference. Someone carried her in. It was really dramatic. Like mid conference, someone carried her in and, and dropped her right on the steps. Well, didn't drop her. Like lightly placed her down. Yeah. Um uh, she didn't speak or anything, but it was it was really moving to to have her there. Um, but yeah, you know we're we're not really gonna know um, for a while like what the full impact is on you know all these people because you know these things it takes time to heal and um, you know I know I had a a very minor accident on the bike path <laughs> with no one else around me. Uh, just getting a drink of water and I don't know what happened. I, I fell down all by myself. But I hit my shoulder and it was very minor. But, um, you know, to this day I still, I still have some shoulder pain. So, I mean, it's going to be a while before, you know, we, we really know, like, I mean, there's been so many injuries and, and a lot of people, um, you know, even psychologically, like seeing somebody that, that you're talking to just get, you know, picked up and thrown on a car and, and, or, you know, some people, you know, it was really like a horrific scene. And I know like a lot of people have been having a hard time dealing, like a lot of people literally lost a lot of sleep and couldn't eat for for days. And it's, it's just been really intense for a lot of people. So, I mean, I don't think there's, there's any way to really know, like, like the full effects of this, but, it's, but really, um, you know, 11 people, a lot of the reports just say 11 people were injured, but those are the people that just got taken to the hospital. Um, there's a lot of other people that got, you know, banged around. Um, I talked to on, uh, on the ground by one of the women who got hit by the car, and he said bikes were flying everywhere, bikes were hitting people. So it's a pretty, pretty horrible, horrible scene, and... Um, I don't know. I, just a lot of people, you know, just want to come together and support our, our fellow cyclists because, you know, out there, um, you know, it, it feels like a family. You know, when you spend enough time riding with with different people and you start to see the same faces, um, you know, even people that you don't know personally, it really feels like like a family member has been been injured.
0: Yeah. So, what do you do? You think anything else will come out of this? I think any? Um...
3: Well. Um, a lot of people have been really activated um it just feels like you know this is just one of those times one of those like cruxes in in history or like in our in our our moment that that we just you know we can't let this you know stand really like um you know especially with the initial l a p d report like really. Putting blame on on people that were that were standing in a parking lane and got hit by a car, and for those people to have been considered partially at fault when a car hit them, and the car was driving in a place where it wasn't even supposed to be, um, and at least some of the victims we know were in a parking lane um, from several eyewitness accounts. So that's just it's absolutely outlandish. So moving forward, I mean, who knows, um, I, I just know that, that this has really, you know, just inspired me to, to, to try and, you know, stay active and, and keep working with people. Um, right now, I've been working with um, Arisa Smolarski, who, who used to be with the LACBC. She just um, she just graduated from Antioch with her EMA in family psychology, and, um, you know, just last week, and um, active, from uh, family and from the bike oven and we're we're kind of trying to work with um, to get a hold of any victims that that may be suffering from psychological trauma from this thing Um, because I've already talked to a lot of people that, you know, that haven't been riding their bike, that that just really don't feel well, that, you know, have depression and, and anxiety and all this stuff and we're just trying to to make sure that we can, um, you know, reach out to those people and, and, and get them help. So, but, but that's, that's just one little thing that, 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 we're starting to do. And there's, I mean, everybody, you know, who's active kind of in, in the bike scene has kind of taken on their own thing in their own way. I mean, the people that are concerned with law enforcement and legislation are kind of hard at work on that aspect. The people that are, you know, really focused on like looking out for the people, are you know working overtime to like raise money and help the victims. So everybody's kind of like, um, you know, kind of act be, becoming active like in their own sense of just like really not not letting this, you know, be a wasted opportunity to to make things better for for the victims and to prevent um, future, any future victims from, from something like this happening.
0: So, you, uh, you go around on your bike with a, uh, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's I'm glad that there's something had come out of this, and I was just, just going to say, since you, you go around to these rides with a
2: microphone, maybe you can be active in the, in the media part of this.
3: Well yeah, I mean, I'm not I don't really consider myself a journalist and and one of the things I really liked about about getting asked to do this was I wasn't being asked to be an impartial journalist. So um you know, I don't always I don't always bring a mic out on rides, but I'm I'm definitely, you know, this whole process has definitely inspired me to to just uh, do what you've been doing for so long and really just try and get get our voices out there. Um, you know, to, to kind of like help people understand and, and create a bit of empathy for, you know, not only our position on the road, but also just to, you know, inspire fellow cyclists or just... It's not even really, honestly, like none of this stuff is really about bicycles or bicyclists. It's just about human beings that, that want to have a safe city. And um, and a lot of us love enjoying this city through light transportation which sometimes is our sneakers other times might be a skateboard rollerblade segway bicycle unicycle tandem uh scooter moped motorcycle you know like all these people that are using you know light modes of transportation to to travel around the city um you know get put at risk when someone in a big steel box um doesn't pay attention and, and doesn't follow the rules and, and, and doesn't act safely mm-hmm. so you know I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm, I'm with all those people um, I just happen to to love riding a bike so that's kind of where it puts me
0: well um, we're about to go to uh, some interviews with some people in Long Beach um,
3: Okay. Did, so are you aware of the Long Beach uh, bike a little bit. You know what? I grew up in Long Beach, and, um, you know, after I started riding around in LA and I, and I went to Long Beach with my bike, I was absolutely blown away. This is about four or five years ago, and I just thought, Long Beach has everything that it needs to be like New Amsterdam. Um, it, it has, I just rode on so many streets that were just bikeways waiting to happen. Um, and I was so thrilled to just see, like, in the last, like, two years, they've really, Long Beach has really been going bananas and, like, taking this opportunity because I think they see that the future of Long Beach, like, Long Beach is, is gaining, like, higher density. Um, it's going to be, you know, there's, there's eventually going to be more traffic. So why not carve out the infrastructure now for bicycles? And it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a relatively small town um, with a decent amount of density, and it's relatively flat, and the weather is even better than Los Angeles. It's just like a perfect place to to get around by bicycle, so.
0: Well, if the last time you saw it was four years ago,
3: the well, last
2: time you wrote it was four years ago.
3: Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, that was when I first... Oh, noticed nice. it nice. that before they started any of these things, and now, like, um, you know, I was actually just there yesterday oh, cool. via automobile, mm-hmm. visiting my mom, and um, yeah, there's huge bike lanes, like on, you know, right by, that go right by like where her place is, and mm-hmm. and I've I mean I've seen them all over Long Beach now. It's it's really fantastic. Cool. Well, we're
2: gonna play an
3: interview now with uh, Charlie Candy. Great, who's a Thanks for calling me up, and uh, thanks for uh, keeping the people informed on thank the original you. Bike Talk Radio on killradio.org. Yeah, we got to start calling it the
2: original now. Yeah.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you,
2: Patrick Miller. Listen, uh, it's Tuesday
0: at 3.30, your segment on uh, KPFK,
3: right? Yeah, here in the city, and then it'll also be archived on kpfk.org. All right. Sounds under sounds here good. in the city. Thanks a lot, Nick. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye.
0: Okay, well that was Patrick Miller Um, He's a DJ and a bike rider And now he's also contributing to KPFK On Here in the City And that will be next Tuesday, 3.30 And now we're going to hear from Charlie Gandy Long Beach Mobility Coordinator Who I interviewed yesterday And we're probably just going to hear a little bit Before our next caller But I thought you might like to hear a little bit And we'll probably play the rest of it in a later show Or later today
4: I've been a contractor with the City of Long Beach for the last two years, embedded as a mobility coordinator uh, in the Public Works Department, and so that's the you know uh, uh, that's the role I've gotten to play for the last couple of years here.
0: Okay, um, so is that sort of like is your position funded by?
4: How did they fund your position? It's funded by the Place Grant. Uh, L.A. County uh, Public Health Department uh, funded the position to promote active living so they hired me my company's livable communities consulting and so i do work all over the country and uh... wanted to be in southern california when the city of long beach said we want to become a great bike city and they went out and and quickly raised twelve million dollars around that campaign uh... they started looking for somebody to help them invest that and to uh, uh, uh... promote it and they chose me so i came from austin texas and uh, have been part of the bike programs for the last two years. And what were the accomplishments that you, what did did you achieve in Austin that they, that you got their attention? Uh, I've been a bike, professional bike advocate since 1990. Uh, I was the founder of the Texas Bicycle Coalition uh, which grew to 2,500 members in four years. Uh, In 94 I went to work for the Bicycle Federation of America Creating bicycle advocacy organizations at the state and local level around the country. Mm -hmm. That turned into the Thunderhead Alliance, which is now uh, the National Alliance for Bicycling and Walking, which is a very powerful political movement in the country uh, promoting uh, livable communities. And um, so I've been doing this professionally as a consultant uh, all over the country since 1998. And um, the city of Long Beach attracted my attention because of their ambitious plans uh, in a place where it's not been traditionally inviting to ride a bike in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And so I saw it as a professional challenge to, and and I saw the possibility of aligning myself with a city that was uh, sincere and committed and had aligned the political will to make things happen. So let's, maybe you can tell me about livable communities
0: and what bikes have to do with livable communities?
4: Um, You know, uh, bicycling is part of a healthy urban uh, existence, a healthy urban environment. Uh, It's oftentimes seen as a indicator species of a place that is going to be attractive to the creative class and to those of us that carry on active healthy lifestyles. And so, the the role of bicycling in the United States. Wait,
0: can you define indicator spaces? I think I know what you mean, but
4: oh, um, where you see bicyclists riding bikes, you tend to have, and particularly women riding bikes in normal clothes, uh, that's an indication that it's a relatively safe, healthy place. And uh, and the inverse is true where you don't see people riding bikes, particularly women. Uh, you You may see five uh, percent of the people who would like to be riding bikes, those that are comfortable mixing it up with cars or uh, in bike lanes uh, but you don 't see the other ninety five percent that would like to bike but don 't see a safe place mm-hmm. and um, and by the way that 's how we uh, that 's what we see with cycle tracks and separated bike facilities, uh, bike boulevards, and other things that are designed for uh, the more novice and casual cyclist.
0: Mm-hmm. A lot of which you have added to Long Beach since you've been here, right?
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've um, beyond probably 50 miles worth of new bike lanes that we've put in in the last two years, uh, we have four federal demonstration projects that we're participating in and things that are new to Southern California uh, that have been tested in bellwether cities such as New York and Portland and Seattle uh, that we're putting down here and testing in a Southern California market. Uh, These are separated bikeways. They're green, shero lanes. They're bike boulevards. Uh, They're bike boxes and uh in addition to all of that, you know it's important for me to say that uh it while we're putting these things out on the street and giving people a chance to test them and to uh imagine this in their neighborhood and and we have funding to take these into lots of other neighborhoods uh our campaign goes far beyond the engineering and the environment. We're teaching every kid in our uh, Long Beach Unified School District to ride a bicycle uh, when they're in elementary school or middle school this year and next year with a federal safer Routes to School grant we uh, for half a million dollars. We have another half a million dollars that's about to be deployed. That's what that meeting is next door that's happening right now is uh, a promotional campaign directed at both cyclists and motorists talking about shared streets and talking about shared responsibilities in the street. And so I'm excited about Long Beach's role in being one of the first cities in Southern California to not only be putting down interesting uh, facilities on the street and bread-and-butter bike lanes uh, and sharrows, but um, also looking at the behavioral side of this from the motor's point of view and the cyclist's point of view and uh, addressing those issues as well. Okay, so we were just
0: listening to an interview that was charlie
2: Charlie gandy this is
0: graham from the workshop in long beach how you doing graham
5: i'm doing fantastic how are you doing today nick
0: i'm good i visited you yesterday and you got a um a bike
5: shop yes indeed just got a business license yesterday delivered at three o'clock in the afternoon
0: well that's great congratulations
5: yeah thank you it's uh really good to be uh a new part of Long Beach, so Yeah, um, so how did you come to be a new part of Long Beach? Were you always part of Long Beach? I I've been uh, a part of Long Beach for a few years now I guess. Uh just as a, a bike guy. Uh founded uh pedal movement with a partner of mine, Ronnie. We kind of have uh pushed things along at least from uh from the bottom up, uh bike things at least in Long Beach. Um, and I met a guy named Sean Moore who owns Long Beach Clothing, and he asked me to come run his new bike shop for him. And uh, here we are in Bixby Knolls, uh, kind of a empty place for bikes at least uh, up until today, and uh, we're ready to kind of make things happen.
0: So it's not just a bike store.
5: Uh, it's... it's not just a bike store. It's a bike slash skate. Shop. Uh, hopefully, we'll have something with wheels for everybody in the whole family to ride.
0: Well, I'm, I'm also thinking about pedal movement. I mean, you, you guys are, are kind of doing a bunch of stuff in the community, aren't
5: right? you? Um, yeah. I mean, we we at least have seen the work that uh, from the city, uh, Long Beach is really making every effort to be bike friendly, and uh, we felt, at least at the beginning of uh, Pedal Movement, that uh, the only way for that to actually happen was to have, uh, the community kind of on the same page and to have, uh, uh, you know, a common vision with the city. And so a pedal movement, I, I suppose, has act, uh, acted as uh, a cheerleader, uh, in, for lack of a better, uh, <laughs> better word. We, uh, we kind of root on bikes and do our very best to make it cool and appealing. Uh, to ride a bike and to kind of uh, give as many incentives to ride a bike as possible.
0: so we just heard part of an interview with Charlie Ga- Charlie Gandhi and um, we talked about how involved in the in, in biking the city is in Long Beach and how um, you were also though thinking that it, th- there was a ways to go for the grassroots
5: that it needs to catch up to the to where the city's gone. Yeah, you know I, I feel like. Um you know, there's there's this top down idea that the city can can push uh kind of a, a program and give a lot of uh you know, uh we've got new lanes and new sharrows and and uh, a lot of cool new programs, but uh, you know, the community may or may not even know about what those programs are. Uh even if they are a bike rider, they are not really involved in that decision-making process. Um, and so there, there really is, it's been difficult for Long Beach to find a community base of support uh, because the bike community in Long Beach is so fragmented. You know, I, L.A. is it's so much bigger of a city, and, uh, and yet everybody knows about everything and everybody knows what's going on, and, and there's a much stronger uh, bike community In, uh, you know, north of the 91 and and south of the 91, you'd expect in a smaller city that it would be, uh, especially with the city support, be thriving. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, you know, we're working on it. We're working hard. And is that where you see pedal movement coming in? Uh, that's at least our intention is to, uh, you know, we, we know enough people that work for the city and we got enough, uh, you know, top-down support and we need to find a way to kind of link up the bottom-up and the top down, uh, find kind of a happy medium and, uh, make ways for them to communicate. Uh, we seem to, at least about once a year, we, we come up with a cool project. Uh, you know, last year, our big project was The Hub, who has been on this program before, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cooperative in Long Beach. Uh, this year we're working hard on our website, uh, to do kind of the same thing. It's just to link up those uh kind of not disparate uh ideas but just people that don't necessarily know what's going on long beach and to give them a a resource to uh to be able to go to and find out what is going on who do i talk to where do i shop etc
2: so you had a
0: grand opening right uh at first fridays what or was Uh, that
5: your grand opening
0: what was that
5: you know uh bixby Knowles uh area in long beach which is uh kind of like north atlantic area um every first friday of the month there's kind of a big shindig everybody's got wine and cheese and and bands playing and uh so we made sure to be open for uh this first Friday's, which was yesterday uh you know i i was uh, a little bit wary uh first getting into this because i wasn't sure uh, if this community was right for a brand new bike shop Um, you know, I, I'm not as connected to this community. I'm much more of a downtown, you know, I know the bike riders downtown. Uh, but after, you know, this week and especially after last night, I was, I was, I don't want to say slammed, but it was packed in here all night. It was fantastic. That's great. Seems to be, uh, people are, they've been, uh, waiting for a shop in this area.
0: What, what is the area and, and how do you get there?
5: Um, this area, Bixby Knuckles, is Atlantic. Uh, if you were to take the 405 south or north, uh, you'd just be e- exiting Atlantic North. And, uh, it's just this cute little row of, uh, you know, high retail. It's, uh, one of the city of Long Beach's, uh, four designated, uh, bike-friendly business districts. Uh, you know, would be Second Street, that downtown where they've got the share, uh, sorry, uh, down south where they've got the Shero's and downtown areas, the East, uh, arts district. And Bixby is, uh, one of the four. So we're actually the first bike shop to come into this bike friendly business district. And, uh, so now we need to start getting to work because to be honest with you, I got to tell you every, every, well, not every, but, uh, nine out of 10 bike riders to go past my place, uh, they're on the sidewalk. Um, most of them don't have helmets. Uh, you know, a good portion of the fixed gears don't have hand brakes or foot retention. So, I mean, this is a great kind of a new demographic for me—completely new—that we we can I can get my hands dirty and affect uh, some serious change in in, a, in an area that has enough money that politically uh, has a little bit of say and a you know clout. Uh, a certain clout in the city, if that makes sense. To so the community that you're in, they they have some influence. I, right. we, we've got, uh, you know, we've, we've got some influential people in this area, um, and you know, generally people who are in the higher tax brackets, the things that they want seem to to run and, and to. to I guess uh, to go a little bit smoother in uh, in, in their building process. Um, so that's a kind of a new one for me. You know, I'm used to you know, putting a bike shop you know cooperatives together from you know zero dollars, uh, you know, and we've got enough money to, to play around up here.
0: So um, you can get there by the blue line too, right?
5: Uh, I certainly you... could. Uh, you'd have to, I suppose, exit on like there's a Wardlow station and then Wardlow. Uh, one street east towards Atlantic and then uh, head north towards towards this big row of uh, retail. So
0: this is Grand Baden at the workshop in Long Beach, 4242 Atlantic Avenue. Uh, the number is 562-424-7433 or 424-RIDE. And um, how else can
5: they contact you? Uh, you can go on uh, Facebook. You know, we're working on our website. Uh, Facebook, the workshop is uh, how you're going to find us. Uh, we're so brand new that uh, we're going to have to have a probably a, a few weeks to to get up and running. Uh, you know, um, but Facebook is going to be an easy way to get a hold of us.
0: Okay, but before um, but uh, before that, I should have asked you. So tell me about your more a little bit about your history you know you you said
2: you started
5: collectives or non-profits or the hub Um, yeah you know Pedal Movement seems to find one big project a year Um, the hub was our 2010 project you know it's a really exciting opportunity to uh, make our you know the first bike cooperative uh, in Long Beach Um, bike collective whatever you want to call it uh, you know, we had, had the opportunity to get involved in a, a, a local private art university that's actually, uh, strangely enough based out of Seoul, Korea. Um, and, uh, as such, all the students are exchange students and as such, none of them have cars. They're not really allowed to. Um, and the city, you know, legally they're required to have a certain number of parking places for the number of students enrolled, and none of these students have cars. But you know, uh, being efficient, uh, you know, business people, they just went ahead and bought this large empty. Uh, it was it used to be a, a used auto dealership just next door, so they could have the thirty car parking lot out front, which went to use, no use. You know, they they didn't use it for anything uh, for I guess a couple of years because they didn't have anything to put there. And so I kind of worked out uh, myself and uh, Evan Kelly, the guy who uh, has done some influential work down here. He's uh, running the place now. Uh, but we kind of figured out how to convince that college that they should let us put a cooperative in there, and in exchange we would trade them or kind of keep them steadily supplied with uh you know bikes that their students could ride and have and just keep at the at uh, the the university and uh so as you know we got in there for free um you know rent free utilities free and in exchange we could kind of beautify the place and give that school a uh, you know a working relationship with the city and uh you know as well hook their students up with some transportation since they were essentially uh vehicleless at
6: that point Hi, this is uh, Chicken Leather and I've been to Long Beach a number of times including the hub and and some other events that were down there Um, I know that you've attracted a lot of what we would call um, recreational cycling and um, a lot of that I'm I'm wondering, you're you're talking more about uh, bikers who traditionally don't have a lot of money, kids and and things do you see it more as a, a mission statement is safety in your book Uh, you talked about brakes there for a
5: minute i um you know i'm i feel really strongly about safety right now um i think there are several things that kind of tie into that being that i'm a bicycle mechanic feel like the at least knowledge of a bike and it the way it works is you know since it's such a simple machine that's really one of the first things i try to encourage people to do is to get familiar with their bike uh... get familiar with doing weekly safety checks um... you know just to make sure they're not going to their bikes not going to fall apart um... you know that's that's one part You know, as well uh... you know safety and wearing helmets i feel really strongly about that um... i was involved in a i i got myself mixed up in a, with a car about a year ago and i didn't happen to have a helmet on and uh i got pretty badly hurt and i remember the moment thinking should i or shouldn't i wear my helmet and to be honest i didn't want to wear my helmet because i didn't want to look goofy because i didn't have the appropriate helmet for the type of bike i was riding and it was just i've learned a lot through that that you know there's just some a very few basic things that you know If cyclists can do them, not only will they show, you know, not only will they they be safer, but they'll also show the rest of the community that, you know, yes, I am a responsible citizen. I'm not just, you know, what you might have thought of a biker in the past. You know, I'm wearing a helmet. I'm not necessarily using, you know, your grandpa's hand signals, but letting, you know, motorists know what's happening And, uh, just being on the same page as everybody out there that I am to be respected because not only am I helping the environment, I'm helping the community, but I am, you know, I'm doing my very best to follow the, the rules, not necessarily the letter of the law, but, you know, the, the spirit of the law, as it were. Um, you know, if, if cyclists in Long Beach are intending to be respected, I feel like a lot of people in the community, uh, motorists and police, uh, it seems to be, uh, they expect that we can at least find a, a medium ground where we're all on the same page. Um, and I, that's kind of our new mission here at the workshop is since it is a brand new community of, uh, cyclists to, to influence and, uh, you know, we're, I feel like Long Beach is, is pushing hard to be bicycle friendly. But there hasn't yet been a, a shop that has made the same effort, I feel, to be, uh, you know, supportive of that change. Uh, you know, we'll not only fix uh, fix the bikes that the people or cyclists are riding, but uh, hopefully we'll support that community in whatever ways we can.
2: So
6: um, you're bringing up uh, basically um, this this section and I hate to get back to the economics, but uh, it, a lot of these uh, riders in this in this section, I, I see it, it. It almost parallels some of the sections here in LA where uh, bike co-ops have, have sort of sprung up as an answer to the not so much the high costs of, uh, costs of bike shops, but let's let's be honest, it's a trend now, and, and we're seeing so many kids just sort of flock to certain sides of it. But I, I feel that here in Los Angeles, we're seeing kids after they ride their fixies, they they start to go to geared bikes and stuff. So
2: Yeah, they
5: eventually do, uh, I it's don't want to say like grow up. Yeah. I, I don't want to use the word grow up because a lot of us still haven't yeah. grown up. Too. I still, I, you know, I rode a fix here yesterday. So, <laughs> so uh, what are your hours again there? Uh, hours are 11 to 7, 7 days a week. Oh, wow. Their days to rest, huh? You, you know, I uh, I got enough little grom kids around here. I'll be able to get some of them to do the work for me. I imagine. It's easy to trade uh, trade repairs for, you know, convincing them to take out the trash. You're, but, you're,
0: uh,
5: yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: This is Nick again. You're, you're. I noticed you in the store the other day, and some kids came in. How, how much of your work is working with kids?
5: I would say probably well the majority of the day is kids probably once a day or twice a day i have uh us call them a grown up now i uh you know somebody 30 plus uh comes in with a bike to repair um, or you know very few people coming in to purchase bikes just because you know at least what we have to offer at the moment is probably not what Thirty plus uh, individuals are purchasing, but uh, as well, you know, most of the day it's summertime, so you know the kids are out uh, and they're riding their bikes on the sidewalk with no helmet. Uh, but uh, their parents are the people that come in after you know after five uh, or on the weekends to come drop off bikes for me to fix, and uh, you know most of them. You know, it's funny a lot of the this this community you know probably within a two mile radius there are a lot of uh cyclists a lot of road cyclists and uh, mom cyclists this is uh this is a a great new demographic for me i'm uh you know I'm, that's kind of a brand new one the the mom riding the cruiser with the the trailer uh behind it you know i'm that's i haven't had too much uh too much experience with kind of how to help out those ladies, and you know, a lot of them have been asking for you know uh, maintenance clinics or you know group rides. And how do I get connected? How do I know who's riding their bike? I mean, they they see all these people in their neighborhoods, you know, all these residential neighborhoods riding bikes, but uh, you know, they they don't know how to get in contact with them. And so hopefully we can uh, we can kind of open up a uh, open that up for them. Well, I talked to Charlie
0: Gandy yesterday, as you know, and um, he was talking about women on bikes being an indicator species, meaning okay. that, meaning that you know, when you see women on bikes, it means that you've got a healthy bike scene. That that you know, they feel that it's safe and that.
5: Um yeah, that's. I mean, that's a really good point. Um, you know, when you see the kind of diehard freaks like, uh, you know, I'm sure all three of us are um that's one thing but then when you see moms and families comfortable out there on the street uh you know you must be doing something right as a city mm-hmm. um so I, I think he's definitely right about that indicator species i like that
0: okay well um let us know anything else that happens you know call in and and keep in touch if you if you would join our facebook group bike talk group so that you can post
5: it certainly will, guys. I uh, thank you for having me on the show. Um, you know, have a great rest of the day. Is there anything else I can tell you? Probably, but
0: um, I can't. I... <laughs> um, but uh, call back if you think of
5: anything. I... Well, enjoy the weather today. It's beautiful out there. Thanks. You too. Take care.
2: Okay, take care. Bye. Like that?
0: Okay, so Eric Ochoa, race reporter, just came in. Hey Eric. Oh and uh Joni Young is here. Hi Johnny. Hi. So what do you got, Eric? I don't think does
7: this thing pull back a
0: little? This
4: <laughs> so what's going on?
0: You're posting.
7: Yeah, um I I I've done um postings before on um, you know, Tumblr and like other stuff and Uh, just recently I kind of figured it might be a good idea to start posting, you know, my blog, well, cycling blogs on, um, the Bike Talk group page. And, you know, to, you know, get people informed about it and, you know, what's going on in, in professional racing. So, uh, well, I guess we should get down to it now. Um, what, what about that Tour de France, huh? Yeah, the Tour de France, which started today. Uh traditionally, you know, Grand Tours start off with a short prologue time trial. Today was an exception though with a regular road stage. It it was pretty flat pretty much um from the beginning all the way until like the final few kilometers which had, you know, which hit the riders with uh I believe it was a Cat Four climb. A lot of people, you know, were looking to Philippe Jobert to win the stage, you know. Philippe, if you follow racing, you know, you've seen that he's had a phenomenal season. Pulling off the Ardennes triple, you know, the classics, the Fletcher Wallon, Amstel Gold, and Liege-Bastogne-Liege, you know, podium that the straight Bianchi race. Just recently, he, he's the newly crowned champion of Belgium. So, you know, he goes into the Tour de France with some phenomenal form, and, you know, he delivered to his Omega pharma team. You know, they, they were right at the front towards the final kilometers. Jurgen van der Waal had a crash early on in the stage. You know, you could have seen his jersey was all uh, torn. and, But, you know, he was right there at the front pulling to try and get the breakaway back so they could deliver their man Philippe to the finish line, which in the end, you know, he did. And towards the end, Fabian Cancellara tried to, tried to attack on his own. Uh, Philippe, you know, quickly countered the attack. <clears throat> it, you know, it's hard because on a, on a finish like this, there doesn't seem to be anybody that could match Philippe's Acceleration, you know, not even the Schleck brothers who showed that. I believe it was on Liège-Bastogne-Liège. Both brothers worked um, together to try and reel Gilbert during that final climb. But you know, when Gilbert accelerates on on climbs like that, you know, you can really expect not to reel him back in. You're pretty much racing for second or third. Um, So with that being said, Philippe pulls on the first leader's jersey, the yellow jersey of the Tour de France. Uh, lead that he's not going to be able to hold on for tomorrow because tomorrow is a team time trial. Uh, his Omega Farm lotto is not too deep in um, that discipline. But, you know, any day wearing the yellow jersey is a good day for any rider.
0: Uh, I, I'm going to have to uh, learn a little bit more about what you're talking about so that I can knowledgeably uh, interact with you. About it.
6: Okay, there's this race they've been doing for 100 and some years called the Tour de France, and they call it the Tour because it's like going on tour, like a rock and roll band, except they're really big hills that you have to ride up with your bicycle. Oh, is that is that it, Eric?
7: Yeah, um, the tour, well, another reason it's called the tour, because, well, the Tour de France, and um, there's, France. there's yeah, and it's in France. Mm-hmm. There's Well, why what do they have to do in France if it's called the Tour de France, huh? There's three different, um the, the the Tour de France is a three-week race, and in the calendar, there's three different three-week races.
6: You, you, you know what's funny about that is, Last year, the Tour de France started in England, which is kind of funny because they were tr- they try it out every year. They they tried it once in Amsterdam and yeah, other um, things. Where did every, it start out this year?
7: Every now and then, the the you know Grand Tours start off in different you know countries. And it, it doesn't always necessarily stay. You know, like I said, there's three different Grand Tours, three week races. You know, the Giro d'Italia, which is in Italy, the Tour de France, which is in France, and then the Vuelta a Espana, which is in Spain. But um, I mean, even the Giro is having talks of having a start in Washington D.C. next year. But this year, the Tour de France did start in um, in France in in the Brittany section. Um, And well, what what else is it that you want to know? I mean, it's a (laughs) three-week race held in France. It's uh, 21 stages. Best rider out of all 198 riders that start off reaches Paris with the yellow jersey and is considered the champion of the Tour de France for that year. Um, Again, you know. Alberto Contador, although he's had sort of a controversial start to his season because of that clenbuterol case that's still pending, because you know the governing bodies of cycling aren't stepping up to you know call a decision on it whether he should be banned or not. But they give him the green light to compete. Recent, most recently, he's won the Giro d'Italia, and he comes into the tour you know hoping to pull off the Giro Tour double, which hasn't been done in a while, I believe. Uh, Marco Pantani was the Last rider who was able to do that. But, um. Yeah, he goes in here. Um, of course, you know, Andy Schleck is seen as his biggest rival. But, you know, you also got guys like Cadell Evans. Cadell Evans has won the Tour of Romandy and Tirreno Adriatico. And he's shown, like, great form, you know, better form than he's shown, you know, in the past years. And we know Cadell Evans has been second at the Tour de France for two years. One second to Alberto Contador, and then. In 2007, and then to Carlos Sastre the year after. But last year, he had a pretty bad tour when he had a little small hairline fracture in his wrist, which um, forced him to abandon while he was wearing the yellow jersey. But this year, you know, he's got a pretty strong team built around him. You know, of course, he has Big George Hincappy, who was Lance Armstrong's Royal Domestique in all seven of his Tour de France victories. So when you got a guy like that working for you up in the mountains, um, you know, it's hard to. It's hard to say that you're not going to do good once the mountain's hit. So I just want to point out that Joni
0: is looking at you with her mouth open. <laughs> Can you hand the mic to Joni? I don't know if that one even works here. No, it doesn't work. it's
2: not i got to get closer.
8: No, I just came to hang, actually, and did Inspired for things that I want to do on Mike. but I'm just listening to this guy saying, what the heck? How does he memorize all this stuff? I I think he hears it, and it's just embedded in his memory. I can't do Uh, that. I can't even remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. (laughs) And he remembers all this stuff. I'm just totally amazed. Yeah, apparently
0: we just stumbled into a uh, a savant. Yes,
6: bicycle savant. A bike savant.
0: A bike race
8: Somebody has to remember it, I suppose.
0: That, That reminds
6: me. Breakfast, breakfast is in order, and it's kind of like a holdover from last night, but we're going to get to it in our next story. Say one last question about about the tour. Uh, when's their day
7: off? Uh, the day off is going to come, I believe, on before or after stage eight. They have two different rest days, um, so I think that, that that's the that's the first one. It gives the riders um, a chance to recuperate from you know previous racing. Usually it's um, before the big mountains come so yeah. they can arrive fresh for the mountains. You know, the GC contenders can, you know, go in with fresh legs and everything so they won't be too um, fatigued from the previous flat stages, which still take a pretty good toll on your legs.
6: So what's the understanding? I mean, a couple of years ago, they they really were gearing up to, to have it against Lance and Contador and have that battle kind of uh facilitated because they, they did things like cobblestone and all these horrible things that you wouldn't do to riders. Are, it, what was the understanding of doing this right away?
7: Well, the, um, by what I understand, this Tour de France is um, more mountainous. Um, there's uh-huh. not that many time trial kilometers, so eventually the winner is going to be you know one who, who's a great climber. Uh-huh. Um, there's only two time trials, one of them being an individual time trial, which comes on the day before the tour ends. Tomorrow is a team time trial, of course, which is a time trial which all nine writers of your team take part in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still pretty early on. It's only stage two. Uh, I know some riders today came off, you know, over a minute and a half to two minutes behind Philippe Gilbert. One of those being Alberto Contador because there were, like, four crashes towards the end that, of the That's yeah. what I was
6: going to ask you. I mean, the road conditions there, everybody thinks of, like... France being pristine, but they've had so much rain. The roads have been almost like washed out and all these things where they're having the tour.
7: Yeah, and we saw this again once in 2009 when Alberto to the when the wind split the peloton up and Alberto was caught in the back and it was Lance Armstrong who was in the lead group and yeah. he was only a second away from taking the yellow jersey from Fabian Cancellara, and then I believe it was a few stages after that. Contador attacked his team. I think your are cut out. Which is, kinda, a, which is there you go. Which is a rule that you don't do in cycling. You don't attack your own teammate when no. he's one second away from getting the lead. So he's one. <laughs> he's a minute and a half away, and he's not even in his terrain yet. You know the flat stages are coming, but the mountainous stages don't come until like the second week. So one minute and a half is not a lot for Contador, mainly because um, it's mainly pure like sprinters that are ahead of him. The only GC contender who's, you know, up ahead um, is Cadell Evans who arrived three seconds behind Joe And then, you know, you have guys like Andreas Glode and Chris Horner, Garan Thomas, Tony Martin, who are six seconds back. So, I mean, once again... Second week is when the mountains come, yeah. and um, tomorrow the team time trial. Uh, um, Alberto's Saxo Bank team, I'm not sure how good they're going to do, but, again, you know, it's er- still early on in the tour. You're not going to win the tour at tomorrow's team time trial, but, you know, there's a chance you can lose it. it
6: it's a morale building at this point. Yeah,
7: it's somewhat can like that. Can you define stage, please? Stage? Yeah. Stage is um, you go in. Uh It's a certain length today. I, I, I don't get too familiar with lengths. I just focus on like you know the the details. You know what happens. So see, it's a, but the racing course would be yeah. Stage. It's the pretty yeah pretty much the racing course. You know point A to point B. And it's one day for that day. For that day. And then the next day there's another one, and then another and another, and that goes on for you know the the coming three weeks that that race is going to take part in. But each stage is different. They're all not the same, you know. Today, cool, um, was a pretty flat stage with a little bump towards the end. Then you have, you know, the time trials, which is just you by yourself. You don't have the help of a teammate or nothing. And then you have the mountain stages, which is you know pretty much all goes uphill.
0: Yeah. I think you popped in and out there. Um.
7: So, w- what else you got? You got anything else, Eric? That's about it. I mean, you know, the Tour de France is the biggest race going on right now. Um over in Asia you got the tour of Queen High Lake, but I'm pretty sure that's gonna be outcast by the tour. Um for any of you that are gonna wanna catch the tour, once again, you know, Versus is gonna have coverage. Um NBC is actually gonna be covering it. I'm not sure if they're doing it right now, but yeah, NBC decided to cover the race this year. So you got two sources there. If you're an early bird you're gonna you might wanna wake up early in the morning like I did today. This the stage started at five in the morning. So if you wanna wake up at that time, you know, just go to steephill dot com and they have several sources for you to catch it live. If not, you know, cycling news always has great reports on, you know, the day to day stages that go on. Um and just like Nick mentioned earlier, yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna be writing several little blog posts of what happens during the tour, you know. Uh I don't think I'm gonna do stage by stage analysis, but um yeah, you, you can expect some Little short post from me that wow. I posted on the Bike Talk
6: page. So, uh, Versus costs so much money now.
7: Does it? Yeah. Uh,
6: I mean, how are you, you're watching this all online, right? Well, I got
7: cable, so I mean, it comes oh. with that package. Oh, but, oh I cool. Mean, NBC is considered, you know, primetime television, I guess, so I mean, it's. Awesome. That's free, and really? um, yeah, it's free, uh, and like I said, yeah, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't have internet now, so. You know if you want to watch it and you don't have verses there's really no excuse why you're not gonna watch it you know so might say well it starts too early okay well you know even YouTube has the final 10 kilometers of of a stage um all the time so you know there's a great number of sources out there for you to catch up on the race so you won't be too left behind and the tour is the biggest race of the calendar and in cycling overall so you know it's a pretty good race to you know tune into um well
0: so how long, how long does it last?
7: Uh 3 weeks. 3 weeks. Yeah. And we're in
0: the first week? We're in the first day. It started today. It started today. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're listening every day. And um
7: do you think that you could make a living as a race reporter like this? That would be great. Yeah, it's just a matter of, you know, having someone discover you, I guess. But mm-hmm. um yeah, it, it, it'll be great, you know. I'm sure
6: Phil Liggett was discovered at one point, right? Yeah, Early you know, on. they
7: have guys like Phil Liggett and Bob but, Roll, and those but
6: these guys. guys, they're they've stuck around for like 500 years now, right?
7: Yeah, and you know, usually um, race reporters are guys who've done racing um, in the past. You know, uh, Phil Liggett raced, Bob Roll raced, uh, Todd Gogolski raced, but you know, there's also guys who you know just happen to have great knowledge of the sport and, and end up turning into Reporters, But, um, yeah, that's something I, I would be interested in doing, and it, it would be a great opportunity to, you know, report professionally in a race such as, if not the Tour de France, you know, smaller stage races. Yeah, yeah. We all got to start somewhere. Actually, uh,
6: our, our own Brad House goes out there and announces a lot of the, the local races here in the industry, so that, that'd that be somebody to talk to if you're interested in that. Uh, he goes out and, and does certain... Um, races that may not be on the same stature but they have the same energy if not the same uh, uh, kind of people involved in it on a on a local level so it is bike talk here on kill radio and kpfk on the podcast uh any parting words
2: there eric uh
7: that pretty much covers it um once again tomorrow team time trial it's gonna be great you know Get pretty much going to be a fight between, you know, the Garmin Cervello team, uh, Radio Shack and HCC High Road. Uh, Thor Hushoft is currently third overall with six seconds behind Philippe Jobert. So, you know, Garmin are really going to try to push it tomorrow in that team time trial to try and get Thor Hushoft in that yellow jersey. Not only to, you know, boost his morale because being the world champion, he hasn't had too many results, but also because, you know, he's considering switching teams, um, for the next season because, uh, he, might not be feeling too happy with that Garmin team. So um, maybe if he puts that yellow jersey with Garmin, you know, it might help him consider, you know, whether to stay with them or switch on to another team. Well, um,
0: thank you so much, Eric. Are you going to come? Uh, I feel like we should be doing something every day, but I'm not sure how to do that.
7: Can I guess people can visit your Facebook page? Um, yeah, I guess. And if not the Facebook page, you know, just look at the Bike Talk group page. I've posted several Um, Blogs on there. Um, And like I say, yeah, you know look for those posts. I will be doing Several of those during the next three-week period about what's going on, you know um, You know the writers performances some stages that I feel are necessary to you know talk about Um, Yeah, and just be on the lookout for those if any of you are interested Okay, that was Eric Ochoa race reporter and now
0: we have
6: well, we're, we're at a crossroad here between, <laughs> you, you, last week you said, hey, there's this great band in from, uh, that's gonna be playing a benefit for the bike kitchen. And I said, really? And I went over there and nobody showed up except Chicken Leather and his camera. And do you want to see them playing bi- a bike song right now as we interlude to some more serious things? Well, we'll get to the fun stuff right now well, and then I get thought to you the... said no
0: one showed up. Oh, you mean to watch? Well,
6: or... we showed up with our camera.
0: Well, was the band there?
6: Uh, yeah, the band was there. Too. And they played, they played- They're from, they're from Bikus. You didn't tell me that. I didn't know. They're that. from Tucson. Dude, I, I got stranded in Tucson, which you think, oh, I get stranded in Tucson, what could possibly be fun with all this heat? Well, it's the fi- it's the idea that they they're the square footage of downtown Los Angeles, and they have six different bike slash shops collectives there, including the biggest one that started out Bikus, which is now twenty years old. They own their own building, uh, and they're they were fighting um, last year. The reason it, it made some news last year is because they were fighting, I guess, their version of of Arizona Trans, who wanted to take their building out to extend the freeway there. The Ten Freeway, and wow. if you can imagine any other place, would be fine. But this is like bike capital right. for for them, and so they fought it. And in fact, they're touring, and it's uh, their tour is called the Bicycle Built for Tour T O U R. See the whole theme coming back: Tour de France, Tour de Bike. Wow. Okay, so anyway, here's the sound that they the sounds they make on bicycle instruments, instruments from bicycles.
0: So he's playing a guitar made out of a, okay.
6: well the, the neck is actually a, a guitar, but it's been mounted to a French crankset and you can usually tell because of the, uh, it's almost like a triad in the center. It's like three, three pieces it like hold it together. It looks like, you know, in War of the Worlds, the Martian Eyes, same deal. It looks like a Martian Eye. <laughs> It's a flute made out of handlebars with two people blowing at each end. So some people found this painful. I I want to I want to retract. <laughs> this is not that painful. Yay! That was good. So yeah, it's 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 on a learning curve here, and uh, one one of the other things that we went to this week besides this was uh, there was yet another benefit this week. Um, coinciding with the press conference and so we're going to do this backwards uh do you want to play the benefit first uh, you're pointing like yes yeah, go with the story it. go with the story okay we're going to play the benefit for a little bit oh, you so you get go to go hear me sorry. last night at the benefit they had at benefit the echo park late.
0: What? He's what's the benefit for the benefit, right. for?
6: So the you benefit was for then? all the where fallen people from, from the accident that happened in culver city
3: They're doing better, they're in good spirits. Um,
7: Unfortunately, none of them can walk still. So that is, that's truly tragic. We have six people because of this uh, drunk driver who was on her phone? That are now. Gonna, you now know, now I, I'm gonna hearing. About I'm hearing month.
6: less about the drinking and more about the phone now,
5: which is are, good. At, as I, as I, I think
6: phones are more dangerous than drinking. I but you know somewhere.
0: what? I think they're both. You know, yeah, up combined.
6: there is sin. You this know is a benefit for the Culver City,
0: <laughs> right? The K-Town. Ride? Okay.
6: That's I'm correct.
0: And did they make money? Did they yeah. raise money? They did.
6: They did. And in fact, right now you don't see them raising money because the barbecue is not going. But what they did is they started a barbecue. They cooked three or four different types of meat for it, um, including hot dog... What is it? Hot dogs wrapped with bacon? You're looking at me like you know this. Apparently, they do this at, at some high-end kind of cuisine places like Farmer's Market and stuff. But uh, everybody came out, and literally, if people don't show up for stuff, you never see them wait. Uh, we're talking about everything here from the Political climate to, to, uh, things. Look at that. Little kids. I mean, it was, it, it looked like we were doing this, but we got to a point where we were really getting bored. And so, he, uh, Noah asked me a question about his bike. Here we go. <laughs> you were asking me a question today. Uh, so this morning, I woke First of up and all, of hi, my name is Chicken Larry. I mean, your name is. My name is Noah. And Noah's got a question here. about uh, I it's was a tech question. I woke
5: up this morning and I had a flat. I went to go change my flat and I couldn't even pump air into it. Uh-huh. I go I just put my spare tube on
9: and I'm checking out
6: my old tube that doesn't work anymore. Which is always good because everybody you know you wanna know why why it why it punctures. Right? Whether it's a pinch or glass or whatever, and then all of a sudden I hear a squishing sound like a... Like it sounds like there's water or something inside of now, it. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. Did it have green water inside? Was it green? It was like uh uh, viscous, yeah, viscous. I'll say it was a viscous liquid. <laughs> Sometimes, if it's green, somebody's put what mm-hmm. they call um, uh, that slime in there, which was a, a quick fix in the '80s. A lot of mountain bike guys used to throw it in really quick and get back on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's a good quick fix, but what it does is it, it it'll fill in some of like little punctures, but you really should get to it. And, and like, we I, I personally like to, you know, put a real kind of vulcanizing kind of seal. The other thing that that was Noah and his bike, and um, we're we're going to talk about that later. But but right now, um, this is
9: Cat. Cat. Nami. Cat. You you
6: you actually were at the press conference that uh, they talked about earlier. Uh,
9: yes, I was. think
6: X Ray was talking about how he went to it and didn't find it very very informative. He he thought that it. Sort of harp too much on, on police in action and should sort have of harped more on, on just safety for everything.
9: But, I agree with him completely. Yeah. I also felt like it would have been nice had we all maybe had a little pep talk before uh-huh. and kind of come to some sort of all right, you're going to say this, you're going to say this, you're going to say this, and then ultimately we're going to have this full circle. Oh cool. And and you could have all sang
6: together like all oh, we are saying.
9: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like Safety for All or, you know, well, like
2: no, that's <laughs> that's a
6: great kind of outlook on this thing because um, and the other thing that I, I heard a lot about is that the media when I saw the thing, first of all, I didn't get the message this was going on until I saw it on the 10 o'clock news.
9: That and like I said, I'm really sorry. I'm going to oh, no, call you ahead of time. Just,
6: it's, it's probably because I, I do have it in my email. It's just that it got filtered or something. There was probably something pornographic, you know, oh. something about number or something in the message. So it probably got deleted. Right. I digress. I digress. <laughs> Um, The media gave it 15 seconds, as I think uh, Joe Linton said. He says, we're only going to get 15 seconds. They're going to go to old footage, and then that'll be it. They'll talk about cars, which is exactly what they did. They talked about that. Um, Regrettably, there was another bike accident, um, but this was more like an attack that happened to Whittier. That led, and then they went to the car thing, and then they came back to this. But... um,
9: Mike, there was another bike accident? What a, happened there?
6: Well, a, uh, a, a woman got attacked on her on the bike path in Whittier, which is really dark at night. And people were saying, why, why are you out riding a bike at 1030 at night? And I'm going, yeah. well, it's probably classic time to ride because it's nice. The air is clear, and you can ride, but
9: um, she, was, she was a classic. On the and it's path. a bike path. Yeah. You can ride your bike on a bike path anytime you like, just like anybody who gets in their car. Can drive on the road
6: anytime they like. Yeah, people don't say, "Hey, you shouldn't drive your car." Tonight. There might be people out there. But anyway, we're going to get back to the, the real question. You hear uh, the media only had two seconds. In in one clip, they had Ross talking about how she hit a car, and then another car, and in the other clip, they had no, she like
2: had
9: a bike, and then right. another
6: bike, and then right. another bike, right? right? And then Alex right. talked about how it it should be safe to ride. And, that was
9: about, and about how the Culver City Police and the LAPD were kind of messing up their investigation and not doing a very thorough job. Yeah, but
6: you were there too. You did something at the event.
9: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sorry. I don't mean to um, change the subject so quickly. It's on the same yeah, topic. Go ahead. But uh, the 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 news segment that they did on KTLA, yeah. the the majority of it, it, I swear to God, they showed roadblocks walking around, like, with a bike somewhere in Los Angeles. Like, what that had to do with the press conference, wow. I have no idea. And even further, the guy doing the the interview, or it wasn't even an interview, the guy doing the segment on the press conference, he, he's like, I'm standing here at the scene of the crash. You can't even tell where he is. Like, they wasted so much precious time of our press conference on – unnecessary information that mm-hmm. that was just really sad i'd like to say that okay okay but uh what i do have is the statements from both cassie and dana
6: okay so you were there to actually read a statement for some of the people that couldn't be there because we we just played some we we played part of x-ray talking at the at the benefit last night Saying that uh, everybody's pretty much out of the hospital, but they can't walk; they still have broken legs and injuries and stuff. And, and in fact, the the reporter stated that uh, there was only one person there from the accident. Like, oh, only one of them showed up or something to the press conference. It's like, hold on, the rest of them were still recuperating. So right, you, you ran them over with your voice. car
9: at 60 at 60 miles an hour, and <laughs> you <laughs> want them all to like, get up and walk there? <laughs> you
6: were their voice.
9: Uh, yes, I was. So
6: that being said, we, we didn't get there for the press conference, but you're here now and you're gonna read this for us, right?
9: Yes. You ready? Well,
2: yeah, we're ready, Kat. Go ahead.
9: Okay. This first one is from Cassie. Okay. As an aspiring ecologist, I sold my car a year ago. Changing my life to help our planet was easy, and I benefited by becoming a cyclist. I love every minute I spend on my bicycle. Even though there are challenges with riding in Los Angeles daily because of some motorists' inane distaste for cyclists. Group rides are one of the best ways cyclists can avoid issues with traffic. Our group was not ready to leave yet, and I didn't even have my helmet on, which exacerbated the head injuries I received. The accident was implicitly, oh, the accident has implicitly injured me, left me incapable of supporting myself, and destroyed my ability to transport myself. I am saddened that by supporting the most environmentally friendly option, I eventually met devastation because of the accident. My only wish is that cyclists will be supported in their choices and given the ability to avoid becoming victims to horrifying accidents by the drivers of vehicle. And it was kind of funny because when I read that first one, you could see roadblocks in the background Going, oh no, cause you heard me mention something about helmets. Mm-hmm. And throughout this whole thing, he's been sorta, he's of, been sorta of like, come on, guys, this, this accident wasn't our fault. We need not draw attention to ourselves in any way. Uh, I'm sure you could probably see that on the news segment. Yeah. Okay, the second one is from Dana. Okay. The incident that occurred on June 16th was a serious tragedy for me and all involved. It drastically changed the course of my further studies at UCLA and a position I had with the Los Angeles Film Festival and will consequently affect me throughout the rest of my life. In light of everything that has happened, my only wish is that for is that for justice for all the victims and that the sadness of this is, this event is transformed into something positive. I hope the roadways become safer and drivers become more conscious of cyclists as vehicles on the road.
6: Wow, that's that's fantastic. I know Dana's been busy writing, too, to all the people that have been helping around here. Uh, we, we had a benefit also at the Bike Oven, uh, not last last night Friday, but a week from last night, um, where we set up a massage table for anybody that was injured, and I, I know a lot of people came out for that, and she wrote us a nice little She dropped us a postcard
2: Yay! Yeah, I got yeah. a postcard too. Yeah, see, she so, loves us. So it's, <laughs>
9: it's
6: kind of cool to see that that um, she's still working out there and stuff. And I, I got to be honest, I, I love getting mail. You know, email is cool, but real mail is kind of kind of fantastic
9: too. Yeah, I totally agree. So <laughs> one, one last
6: question. I, I left um, not totally early, but kind of early to to burn this uh, DVD so I could be ready for the show today. Um, you guys kept on going on a ride last night. Where did you go, and how did how late did it end?
9: Well, I am actually the wrong person to ask. You're gonna have to call X-ray back. Uh, I did that race last night, uh-huh. so I stuck around until everybody started to ride off, right. and then one and I just came home. Uh, so, how
2: did the race
6: go?
9: The race went awesome. Tell us about uh, it. it. It was the Grand Prix race. It was at the corner of Hope. And a street name I cannot pronounce.
2: Is that? K- oh, that's, that's the one
6: that they, that it's, it's, uh, a, a Polish general, Koyaski, whatever, that they shot Terminator at oh. underneath, uh, oh, the Kukusko or something. The, like K- Kukusko or something. We're trying to yeah. figure it out
9: here too. Yeah, oh. it's, it's, you, you it's almost so had weird. it. Yeah. It's the place where all the messengers meet uh-huh. when they're not delivering their packages and whatnot. Right. It's, it's called the wall. Okay. And, uh,
2: <laughs>
9: Notice that it's called the ghetto. <laughs> nah, it was nice there. Yeah, so, uh, it wasn't on Wall Street. Oh, oh, it was. Yes. It, it's. Just, the area is called the Wall, and <laughs> that so wasn't me. Was that? You started.
6: You started the race there.
9: So the ride started there. The ride started there, and it was just like a. It total. It was about 10 miles for the fixed gear and probably about 12 miles for the geared bikes. They started the geared bikes first. The geared bikes uh, did their run. It was like laps of four. You had to do four laps around. You, you went down Flower and then a right up third and then a right up Figueroa, a right down second, a right down hill, and then a right down third, and then a right back up flower. So it was just a circle around that small little area, but there were hills involved and sharp turns. And they gave us one little pace line route just to, to show us the route. And then they let us fly. And I beat, like, three boys in the first round of the six-year race, and that felt really, really good. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. And then they had May and I do the final round. Like, they're like, okay, you don't have to do the last two laps, Kat, because you've already been invited to the finals. And I was like, hmm, that sounds suspicious. Are you saying that because you just don't want to have to wait for me to finish? Or are you saying that because... (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. I had a great time. And I did the whole thing in heels. So I'm proud of myself.
6: Oh, wow. <laughs> well, hold on. J- Joni wants to ask you a question.
8: Okay. Hi, Joni. Hey, Kat, this is Joni. I-, I ended up getting to the press conference light. I remember speaking to you, meeting you there.
9: Yes, I remember speaking to meeting you. Yeah,
8: and you look so cute in your dress. So did you race in that dress? No,
9: but I raced in a different dress. Oh,
8: <laughs> God, because somebody needed to take a picture of you racing down, up and down those hills in that dress. Cause I was you know to... what's crazy, Joni? Nobody did. Nobody uh-huh. I was standing there
9: on the race line, ready to race, doing a track stand. All the other boys were just standing there above their bikes, not doing track stands. I'm standing there doing a track stand in my heels and a dress, and not a single picture was being taken. No, that's wrong.
8: <laughs> we, we need to show that it's okay for girls to ride, in, uh, ride bikes in dresses. Oh, speaking of the thing uh, we were talking about earlier about the Whittier and the woman who was beaten up, it's true. I mean, I ride around town a lot. At night, by myself, on my bike, and I guess that's the one thing, one of the things I worry about. So, hearing about that scares me. I have to find out exactly why they wanted to beat her up. Apparently, what I read is that they didn't try to mug her, they didn't try anything. They, they beat just beat up. her up, and I don't know the reason why. Yeah,
9: scary. that's really weird. Scary
8: thing. But anyway, it was nice that hearing super
9: from scary? You. I go ahead. I think about stuff like that when I'm on my bike and I'm dressed up. I think, you know. Oh, I'm really I'm really lucky that I've avoided any kind of situation like that before. And what would I do if I was put in that position? Like I do have in my heels I have weapons, you know? You could pull off your your heels
2: and whack him in the head with your stilettos or
9: something. Or yeah, and I have my u lock, but I mean like I'm I'm I wouldn't say that I'm a professional kicker, but I have a nice hard kick from all that cycling I do. Uh-huh. And I just sorta, I make sure I keep focused on the idea that, you know, if someone comes at me, leg up fast. <laughs> <laughs> <That's pretty good. laughs>
8: yeah, you must have pretty strong legs if you can climb up and down those hills. Cause I'm a, I'm a
9: hill-less. So I'd rather go downhill than uphill. Yeah, me too. I, I prefer going downhill than uphill, but <laughs> I'm okay at hills. I just did San Francisco to LA. So I've got like, I've got hills um, in my back pocket. Wow. job. Yeah. Johnny, you're doing awesome. But I feel like I'm taking up all you guys' time. You can uh, get going oh, if you have
8: wait. to. One more comment about uh, female on bike in dress in heels. I actually was telling Nick earlier that I went to a 4th of July party, a sort of like premature 4th of July party, last night in Altadena. And I was biking around in a sundress and heels. And Beautiful. Beautiful. And I was with a friend, and I show up at the party, and, you know, he they all know he bikes. And so he says, oh, he came by bike, so how did Joni come with you? I said, I bike too. And they looked at me and said, you mean you biked here in a dress and heels? I said, sure, why not? I do it all the time. I got here. Yeah. And they were saying, wow, cool. She's biking here. She looks hot. She's on a bike. And, and then we left at midnight. She so you're biking home in a dress at midnight. So said, why not? And we did, and we biked
9: to the, to the Metric, to the Gold Line Station, and went home. Heck, yeah. And yeah. it feels good, right? It, it feels does. so good to show up in what you wanted to be wearing for the party, yeah. you know? Why do I have to put on the spandex? Why do I have to put on whatever? I mean, i want to wear what I'm wearing because it's, you know,
8: the, the way to get around
9: town. Right. I, that's so awesome, Joni. I can't wait to see you on a bike in heels and a dress. <laughs> <laughs> it's summertime. <laughs> It'll happen a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, I have a question. When is the the benefit that that Nick was telling me yeah, let about? Me, let me pass the phone back to Nick. We're okay, thank soon. you.
0: Yeah, well, actually, um, I'm going away for a month, so I don't want to have it until after I get back.
9: But Oh, okay. Postpone?
0: But, yeah, postpone.
9: Okay, all right. Keep me posted.
0: Okay, and keep doing bike talks.
9: Okay, yay. Where, where we need to listen? interview you guys. Yeah. Where can you listen to bike talks? Uh, at eight ttp the colon backslash backslash bike talks with an s TV. dot tv cool and, and yeah. even easier if you want to just go to Ustream and type in bike talks with Cat and cool ass mic that works too thank you guys thank you cat and have a great day
2: keep it up. okay you too. bye bye
0: wow that's perfect timing because Exactly,
6: 12. Wow. So uh, fantastic thing. And uh, for those of you that turned in uh, uh, soon, that was Catnip uh, reading uh, a statement from Dana um, about, about uh, um, the, the accident that they sustained. And we're, we're going to have more of the bike benefit last night. But one last thing we wanted to do. They were cooking there i haven't got to the part where they were cooking but i wanted to show you what they were cooking because that leads into the mom riders showed up they were doing these those wraps but later on they were they were doing i think i stopped it like an idiot they were doing something that only can be described as funness oneness and fantastic kind of uh things to bring together the community that's right they had more pancakes like they did last time. And here we go. I brought the pancakes in for you. It is Kill Radio.
0: Uh, it's also kpfk.org and. On the
6: podcast.
0: Um, LiveBikeTalk at gmail.com.
6: And this will play us out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Andre, slick that, that shit off. off. as <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
6: no, no. It's a chicken leather sandwich here. The benefit expanding. There goes Narls. Yeah, I see you got the fire finally started. That's always a positive. Hey, Ivan.
7: Just, just, just. Yeah.
2: Oh, see now you're less. really good. Yeah. <laughs> the, guy, the guy down the
6: street has been having
0: public
2: fireworks
0: oh, all yeah.
2: week. They can, they can they, buy them now. Yeah, well, every night for like half an hour. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we